have the best seat in the house. Welcome into the front row of the Utah Jazz. I am your host, Holly Rowe, and we have the Utah Jazz co-owner, Ryan Smith. Hi. Hey, Welcome back. Are you? you are our very first guest. We've had a few since there. I'm, I'm going to put some pressure on you today because we've had a few that rivaled how good you were. I, I bet they're way better than John I. Collins was phenomenal. That's cool. Luca Desta. And then we just had Walker. I mean. He's like a. You could go for hours with Walker. We could go for hours, and we did. So anyway, <laughs> so you've got some competition, but I know you like competition. Um, let's start here. We're kind of like at, we're, we're past the midway point of the season, but I always like a little state of the union coming out of all-star break of, you know, where, where do you see this team? There's been some changes recently, and I know that the Jazz GM, uh, Justin Zanuck, said we need change to allow us to be competitive for years to come. So where do you see the team right now? Yeah, I think I think in in – you know, Danny said this always as well as like, um, you know, it's always an iterative process. Um, even if you win a championship, like you need to change, you need to try to get better and you need to try to do that. And I think um, in our situation, I think that, you know, we've got to we've got to look out and we've got to say, hey, how do we how do we continue to grow and how are we going to grow? You know, Um and I think we're we're a little bit focused on growing organically through the draft. Um, I think it's worked, and pretty much what's working in the league, to be to be honest with you, with free agency almost non-existent, which is I think changing a little bit of landscape. And so, um, look, I trust our I trust our front office implicitly, like, um, and I think we've got one of the greatest partnerships I've been a part of in my professional career with with Danny and Justin and Will. Um, and I think people see that, how, how united and aligned we are at, um, you know, navigating. And that's what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, hopefully the team goes on a tear here. Yeah, it's interesting. I, my, my question that I wrote, and this is not a professional journalism question at all, but my question was like, how dope is Will? <laughs> question mark. Will Hardy has been so impressive to me. You know, he's a young guy, and, you know, for a while he's the youngest coach in the league, and you're kind of like, oh, well, where, where are we going with this? He is so impressive. What has, like, as you look back on the hire, what has impressed you about, wow, this guy's maybe even better than we thought he would be? I mean, Will's just real and secure, and I think um, I think that helps as, we're, as, you, as you actually think about it. It's like a puzzle you're trying to put together between ownership, front office, and coaching. Um, I know Sean Payton made that comment when he went to um, Denver. He's like, I'm trying to get that triad right. Like, I'm trying to get it right. And um, Will's been amazing. He's been such an amazing partner. And I think that with Danny coming in as a new piece, Jay-Z, who had been here, me, fairly new, um, I think people can feel when that's kind of together. And um, it's it's just it's enjoyable. And I think that there's this kind of misnomer that like that takes away maybe from competition. I mean, you've got at least three of probably the most competitive humans for on the planet sitting in, in that group. And so um, that should be very comforting from our fan base standpoint is like, no one wants to win more than that group. Right. It, yeah. And it's, but it's, 
when we win and how we win. So I think Justin Zanuck said something really interesting. You know, I think people are sad after the trade deadline, you get attached to guys or whatever, you know, Kelly Olenek, I'm like, yeah. oh gosh, we love yeah. the guy. Yeah. But he's, he had this realistic statement of, it's not just like we're trying to get to the playoffs. It's like, we're trying to make championship runs. How, how can fans keep that front of mind? I mean, I think there has to be a lot of trust, right? Like, I mean, you've got Danny who's been to, 10 NBA finals. It's a lot. And so I think understanding like the desire to go and get there and sustain that and then sitting back with a set of assets that clearly could flex up any time to go get that. It's not like we're not in a spot where we don't have currency because we absolutely do. And so um, there's probably always a lot of debate of when and how we flex up to go use that currency. And um, I've, I've listened and I wish every fan could sit down with our front office and everyone could sit down and really have those conversations. I also think there's a lot of teams in the NBA who are incredibly smart right now. The NBA is not um, being run by people who don't know what's going on. And um, it's becoming incredibly competitive. And so, um, with that, how do you how do you navigate what you're trying to do as well with what everyone else is trying to do? And so there's a lot of times you want to go do something, but you either don't have a dance partner there or people are there. I think the play-in tournament has also made it so way more teams are still holding on um, to the hope of, of getting in. And um, it's created also an interesting dynamic at the trade deadline and stuff like that. And so... Um, I think that part of the NBA is, you know, going out there and seeing what's coming and how you can navigate it. And there's everyone like, you know, different than like maybe some of the other businesses I've been a part of, like you can set a five-year vision and say, this is what's going to happen. You can be pretty accurate. I mean, I've, I've predicted revenue, you know, four years out within, you know, a million dollars before. Um, you're not doing that in the NBA. You're not predicting exactly how things are going to go all the way through because it is so fluid. And that's one of the things that I've been learning as I've gotten in. So what you have to do is you really truly get the best people around to work together and be able to build together. And I think that's why we're so excited um, and, and kind of move. And the other thing is you're not going to bat a thousand. Like you just won't. I think people think you've got to be perfect. Like um, that, n no one is. You know, we can take a look at every draft. We can take a look at every. You're 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 trying to build as as best as you can, and um, but you don't have to be perfect. You know. It, it seems like patience is going to be part of this conversation because um, I, I remember when Danny and you and Justin had this press conference when they traded Donovan and Rudy. And one of the words you used a lot was the championship time frame. Like part of this is your assets, which are players, draft picks, cap space, have to line up for the age of your core players to make this four to five year championship run. So, so you're right now kind of looking at building around Larry Markinen and this young group. He's 26 years old. It's a pretty good window for a championship run. But those assets then have to fall into place with other people to pair with your core. That's what's hard. That's what you're talking about, right? That's the hard part. It's just a puzzle. 
It's right. You got to put it together. Not to mention, um, you know, if you if you hear Danny talk about like when KG showed up and how they were, and then everything changed, and then Ray came, and then, um, or you hear Dwayne talk about LeBron shows up, and this is this is how it goes. So so those assets and those pieces come together, both organically and inorganically. Um, and I think that I think the one thing that's been exciting about this current team is watching pieces come together. Um, obviously, I think um, no one thought. Probably we everyone believed. I mean, we were. I think the front office was pretty intentional with getting Lowry in that trade. But I don't um, think very many people saw what Lowry was doing, or even Walker coming over and Keontae and like some of these other pieces, we could go on and on and on. And um, that's the business we're in is we need those type of movements. And Colin's playing great. JC is always JC and been consistent in doing that. And like, how do you put it all together? It's, it's such a challenge. And um, there's a great quote. You can never step in the same river twice because it's always moving. Yep. That's what it feels like trying to build yep. a, an NBA team, right? It's always moving. Well, the good news is like my philosophy is like, get great people around and and I don't get out of the way because I'm involved but at the end of the day like Jay-Z and Danny like are gonna be able to lead with Will and do this and that's exciting yeah and I love you you talked about it I can only imagine what the golf trips with you four are like like I would imagine <laughs> it's like knock down drag out it's uh it's good it, but what's funny is like the golf course is a place where none of us are distracted we're talking the whole time and it's crazy after like three days, there's nothing else to talk about. Like we flushed it all. So who's the true winner in this group? Like who's the most, who's, who's the champion right now? Um, I don't know. Like Danny's gotten a, a couple times, but, um, and Will's, Will loves it. Um, but I think it, me and Jay-Z are normally the two that take those two. That's normally how it goes. And then when Dwayne comes, it's me and Dwayne against, the rest of them, and like that's a that's a pretty fun one. But wow, competitors! Dan, Danny's a tough competitor. I was going to say, I, I would think he would be the toughest competitor out of everybody. He yeah. seems like the most competitive person in this organization. There's no one more competitive than that human. And okay. like, I mean, you've seen the clip of MJ where MJ's like, "Who do you want to be? What athlete do you want to be to golf more than anyone's like Danny Ainge?" Danny. <laughs> so I it's, love it. it's 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 that way. Um, okay, so you're coming out of All Star Weekend. There's you know. Board of Governors things. You're on the you're the governor for the Utah Jazz. What is the hot topic or the issues that are facing the NBA Board of Governors right now? Yeah, so I think I think the the NBA first of all, like, what an incredible brand. I mean, I think everyone's sitting here going, "Wow!" Like the platform, the growth, the international growth, which probably yet to be even close to tapped into, um, but the investments being made and been made. If you look at Africa alone. Um, the globalization, you've got the Olympics coming up um, with with France, um, the internationalization of the game and the stars that are coming over, whether it's it's Jokic, Embiid, um, Luka. Um, uh, I think I think that the question for a lot of sports right now is media. Obviously, I'm on the media committee of the NBA and we're meeting frequently is to try to understand the, the landscape. I think something that doesn't get talked about a lot was our ability um, this summer to finish the CBA 
and the collective bargaining agreement um, between us and the players and um, being able to go do that and Adam doing a beautiful job at pulling that all together and and almost, I don't want to say without a hiccup, but it was pretty smooth to to kind of forward and everyone look forward to the growth of the brand of the league. And that's that's hard to do in professional sports. And like I think that um, it went pretty smoothly, um, which means both sides understand the opportunity that's sitting in front of us with the NBA. And um, I think that um, that those are some of the hot topics right now is um, we just got done with the in-season tournament, which one of the reasons why I love being part of the NBA is because we disrupted ourselves. This was not a product that anyone had seen. It's not something we had done. And I believe the the stats that we saw were um, up 50% or 100% um, over that cohort of games last year. Because it meant a little something different. It was, there was a competition piece of that, and it drew more interest. It's fascinating. Yeah, and then if you look at the play-in tournament as well, which is a year old, like you look at that and kind of see that like how we continue to disrupt the game for the better and improve it. And um, I like being part of an organization that's willing to disrupt itself before something else disrupts you. And I think that that's, uh, it feels good to be part of change. You had a massive change with the broadcast deal of the Utah Jazz. And um, we've had business magazines, uh, Wall Street Journal, you know, there, there's all these different organizations have come in and do, done stories about what you did with your broadcast package. How has it gone and what example has it set for other franchises and other teams? Yeah, I mean, I think that our idea was to give something to our fans that probably people thought wouldn't wouldn't be there. And I, I was crazy enough to go out and say, hey, we're going to go do that regardless. Like, we're going we're gonna to rip the cord and basically make it free. Um, and I think... I think the idea was we we saw the numbers and the data that showed that, you know, with 3 million people in the fastest growing state and the youngest demographic, we were only showing our games to maybe arguably a million or a million two of those people. And that's that's not a great product, right? That's not a great experience. And so we basically said not only are we going to show our games to everyone, we're going to make it available free on KJazz, we're actually going to create other packages. And so... Um, launching Jazz Plus, we got to 18,000 people, um, which was by far more than any team in the NBA. Um, and then we have incredible data of what people want, what they're looking at. We started creating other content like this, um, trying to give people and fans an insight into what's going on. And then we also went outside of Utah. So we went into Idaho, Wyoming, um, and it's not perfect. Um, because there's, once you start getting out of your area, there's crossing signals and, um, but I think being able to expand to close to 6 million people to be able to watch the jazz. And then as you think about the platform of other sports and what's possible, um, I think we are in the perfect situation to do it. I think we've got the best market on the planet to do it. And, um, I think that it's happened exactly how we thought. And so Caroline, Jim, our team, um, who really worked hard managing this down to the inch level, almost taking support for the first night of those people and fans who are having troubles. I, I, I just hope that um, 
we all view that as something that we can be proud of as the only team and really in sports that has gone and done this. And I think that every Jazz fan should be looking at it and saying, hey, we lead out, we innovate, that's who we are. Mm, I love that. Have you seen tangible growth? Have you seen, I, I don't know how that would show up. Like, what did you yeah. think it would show up to have your fan base watching games go from a million to three million or six million? More ticket sales, more merchandise sales. How does that yeah, show I mean, up? We, we're, we're fortunate enough in the arena where tickets are, or sold out always. I mean, right. it's like 200 and something games. Um, so it probably doesn't show up as much there. I think for me, the anecdotes that, that I see, I hear are um, just the different cohorts of people and the, the profiles of people who are now watching games, especially, I mean, I'll be honest, um, the older generation, like the amount of people now who come up to me or who I see who just don't miss a game and they can figure out where to watch it. It's super it's easy. So my grandmother watched the Utah Jazz or listened to the radio every single game of her life until she died at over a hundred years old. You recently invited this group of 90 year old women fans to come to the jazz game. Tell me, how did you meet these women and these 90-year-old jazz fans? It was so cool. Yeah, so people probably just think it's me on Twitter. No, it's like I I go places. I see, I have grandparents. Like, my grandmother watches every single game. She's 96. And, um, you know, it's, I, I know there is this cohort out there of of people who have been doing it and then lost track. And right. now it's come back. And they couldn't figure out how to get the game because the signal and the this I, and the that. I couldn't figure out how to get the But now you just turn it on and have a one-stop. Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Like, like I mean, I, I – And you're I, a tech guy. The, the, the anxiety yeah. of someone going, okay, are we going to get the jazz game before? Now, you know, it's where am I going to watch it? That's awesome. Right? And so I knew that was out there. And so just seeing a couple of people, we, came, we created this idea. I was like, I wonder how many have never been to a game. <sighs> and, like, how do we make that happen? And that's what this is about. Like, people people love their jazz, and like we want to make sure that like, obviously we can't do it for everyone, but um, there's enough opportunity to every night have these special moments, and um, there's probably way more opportunity to deliver these special moments for our community um, than any other platform I've been a part of, and there's probably way more. That, that we can think of, whether it's someone ringing the bell, whether it's a 90-year-old at the game, whether it's a veteran being recognized. Like, we want, we really truly believe this is the community asset where people can come, they can come as a family, they can come to celebrate, they can come to remember. Um, all of that's there. Mm. I've said this before that I always thought the Utah Jazz were the front porch of Utah, like it's the For first sure. thing you see. But maybe it's also the living room. You know, like yeah. the big grand family room, like someone's yeah. in the kitchen and we're all here and it's like, this is our gathering place, the Utah Jazz. I really love it, that. It feels that way. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of which, um, let's talk a little bit about Smith Entertainment Group because you're trying to add to your portfolio. You've already got a lot of things going on. Uh, you and Ashley have done so much in the past three years alone with SEG, but now you've announced plans to possibly acquire an NHL team. So where does that stand and why do you want to do that? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, um, I think it would do, be wildly successful here. I mean, hockey's not something that is new to Utah. I mean, whether it was the Golden Eagles, whether it's the games that we're playing, whether it's the Grizzlies, um, 
we've known about hockey. I think what's limiting to Utah is a little bit um, ice time, um, really branding ourselves as um, like a hockey spot and destination, um, which is kind of ironic because we've done that with every other winter sport here. Right. We're the winter sports capital of the world in many right. ways. Right. Makes so there's, sense. There's, there's been a missing piece. Right. Um, and we're actually, I think hockey is one of the only um, Olympic sports that isn't training here full time from the Olympics for us. Right. And so it's all set up there. And then I think you combine that with the growth. I think you combine that with, um, the operation. I think you also combine that with what we believe we can bring to hockey. And I think that that is something that, that we've, we've sat and looked at and said, Hey, um, you know, we want to, we want to give back more than we take. And I believe if you look at the junior jazz program, the youth movement, how we can help grow the game, um, our proximity to a bunch of teams in Canada, mm -hmm. right? Um, which is unique. Um, I think it all it all works. And I think um, Gary Bettman and um, our friends over at the NHL have seen that as well. And so I think that they see the vision. They've watched what we've been able to do um, with SEG. And um, I think they're equally as excited to say, hey, this does make sense. Now's the time. How do we go get there? What's the timeline for that? Or is there one yet? I mean, that's, that's always uh, an interesting question. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of expansion talk. Um, you know, we, we definitely formalized this last month, our interest there. And I think that, um, you know, NHL responded with their interest which I think is very unique, very, very unique with them actually releasing a statement saying, hey, we want to be a part of it. Um, I think the question is like, how, how do we make that happen? And um, we're here to support the NHL. They, they have a lot of opportunity around. I think we've expressed our interest. I think we know that it will be successful and we'll let them sort out how they make that happen. Whatever we do, will be absolutely something that everyone is super proud of. So you currently have NBA, MLS, and WSL with your SEC, SEG portfolio right now. So tell us about the Royals. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. We have women's professional soccer coming back to Salt Lake City. What are you excited about? I mean, it's a full startup, right? Um, I, know, I don't think people realize like how the Royals are coming back. Well, what's coming? It's a, it's a brand new entity. So it's, 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 an expansion, it's expansion. And so, um, Michelle, um, is doing a fabulous job. She was our general counsel at, at RSL and she's taken over and, um, but it's, it's a lot of work, um, it getting, um, coach Rodriguez like set up in the, the, the player personnel. We, we fortunately in the, in one of the drafts ended up with the top spot and, um, really building it out. We're having the entire team, I mean, part of the platform is we're having the entire team to to the Jazz um, post All Star. We're going to introduce everyone on the court. Like this is amazing. This is like the power of what we have. Um, the brand works. I know there's a massive um, construction project that we've done up in Harriman at the practice facility to be able to um, give the Royals their own space and um, have a premier location for this. And um, and then we'll see. Right. I mean, it's, it's truly your start, you're starting out. And so, I mean, we're excited. We're excited for, um, this new product to come on the field and, and see what we can do. But 
um, it's a true startup. That's so exciting. And I, this is a great, uh, back in 1999, I was doing play-by-play for the World Cup. And that was the year Mia Hamm, Brandy yes. Chastain, that yes. whole epic year. And they did a stop here in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And the the response to the U.S. national team being here and the young girls and players in this community, this is a great soccer state, particularly with young with youth yeah. and women. So I'm so excited. Okay, we've hit everything. We didn't hit RSL. Anything cool coming on with RSL that you want to? Uh, we have the Messi game. I mean, we're going out to Miami to open things up this year um, against Messi, and um, that is uh, what is that next week or the week after? I uh, next week. All right. <laughs> Um, so it's coming quick. Like, I can't believe the season's here already and we're getting started. And so, um, we'll see. Would they have a return trip here at any point? I think they should. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know that. I don't know how that scheduling works. Yeah. I, I I know it's, it's actually the first time we played them in a long time. And like, um, I think, I think it's the first of hopefully many. Okay, just act cool, but please get a picture with you and David Beckham that you can send to me. But act cool about it. Be cool about it. All right, last thing. Um, a couple of cool things. One of the things I'm so grateful to you and Ashley for is you view your ownership of the Utah Jazz as a stewardship, that you are going to make this community better because of your ownership. We have this really cool uh, Black History Month initiative that's going on. And then next month, we will have Women's History Month. Can you hit on briefly... What are you proud of that you are doing in the community for Black History Month? Well, I think I think the the platform of the Utah Jazz is arguably one of the the bigger media platforms in the state. Um, and I mean, it, it was kind of cool to walk into the arena, and the very first sign you see is Black History Month, and I think. Um, I think just building awareness that um you know the 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 country is so divisive and I think that there there's a way that we can um educate ourselves there's a way that we can participate there's a way that we can learn there's a way we can empathize um and for me that's what these months are because I I don't personally believe that we should be doing something one month or the next month or this or that. I actually believe it should be year round all the time, all the time. Right. Um, but they're a reminder to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on this and our organization's going to emphasize. And, um, what's amazing is like every year that we do this and, you know, coming from, um, you know, 20 years at Qualtrics, like we've been doing this for a long time where we get better. We, we all get better and we grow. And I think that as an organization, we're about growth. We don't think we do everything right. Um, we don't think we know everything. We're learning as we go. But we're trying. But we That's are it. trying. Yeah. And, and, and we're trying to understand everyone and we're trying to be empathetic and we're trying to love everyone. And it's not more complicated than that. No. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm, I'm grateful for. I've told you this before, but I want every individual group to feel like you're welcome in Utah. For sure. You, you're not different. You're welcome. And, and I think that's what you're doing really well with the Utah Jazz. Okay. Last thing. I want to hit on Women's History Month because um, you have done an incredible job I look across the scope of your organization. You've got 10 or more women in high, 
you know, vice president, president, CEO, CFO, high level positions with the Utah Jazz organization. Why has it been so important for you to elevate women in this space and celebrate the women in Utah? Look, I mean, it's, it's, if you want to go back to math, I mean, what is it? 50% of our population are women and, um, which means in every school, there's 50% of the Val Victorians close that are women. And, um, we need strong women who, um, can bring that intelligence to the problems that we're working on. And like, it has nothing to do with anything else. And we need to make it as easy as possible for women to be able to, to reach up and, and take advantage of that. Not because we're doing something for them, but because as an organization, we, we need them. I look at Carolina, I look at yourself. We're better because you're part of our organization, period, hard stop. And like, um, you know, I went, I went through, you know, I, I, I told you this earlier with just Ash, like, um, you know, going through the business school with her and having her sit next to me in class. And it's kind of how we met, like, and watching her, you know, hammer out stats and then come over and help me and like go through other things. And then like being able to translate that and, and just having her be my coach, um, having my first phone call, um, for my professional career to be my CEO coach was a woman named Kim Scott who wrote Radical Candor. She was early at Apple University and um, created AdSense at Google, which my brother worked for, um, and watching her actually lead and, and be my coach. Like, I, I want that in our organization. I want that not only for our young women, but I also want it for every um, young aspiring business person or sports executive out there. And I think sometimes in sports, um, there's this concept that it's just men, it's a men's game. It's just not, it's not true. Um, if I look at, um, you know, what we did on broadcasting and actually something that we've been known for with SEG, um, it was Caroline who, it wasn't her job. She, she came in, she took it on, she grabbed the bull by the horns and went and led something that had never been done before. And um, that's beautiful. And I want every single person to look up and do that. And I think we're, we're on a great trajectory. Um, if you look across the street here at, the, the, at Qualtrics, it's something that we've been doing for a long time. We've created um, different, different lanes. Um, if there's working mothers with children, we created the world, or U Utah's largest daycare that's sitting there. Um, and so I think that, it, you know, as someone growing up with a mother who was raising four children, five children, and put my dad through his PhD program and then decided she wanted to go back to school and do that. Life was way too hard for her, like coming up and doing that. Not only how she was treated in the workforce, but also the, the walls she had to go through. Um, and then like at 40 something, she decided she wanted to go be an entrepreneur, which is kind of crazy. You go through your entire academic career and then you're like, you know what, I'm gonna go out alone. It was amazing how fast she was able to climb. When she was her own boss. When she was her own boss. And it kind of made me scratch my head a little bit and think, like, why why is why has all this progress happened on your own? It was it was all there. Um and I think we just want to create that feeling within our organization. Mm. Well, thank you. I kept you way too long, but I no just worries. want our 
our listeners, the Utah Jazz fans, and people to have access to you, I think that's important to you. One of yep. the company mottos that is one of our principles is yes. transparency. So thank you for always being transparent and telling us a lot and, and giving thank us Thank you for time. everything you do. Um, I love the transparency. Like, we're, we're not perfect. We're, we're trying our hardest as everyone else. And um, every day is a new challenge. And our job is to get the smartest people like yourself around. Um, Danny, Will, front office, and like actually go out and build something that everyone can be proud of. Perfect. You've had the best seat in the house. Thanks for being here with us on the front row. Oh, by the way, can we just talk about how amazing your office is? (laughs) We're here in the office, and uh, thank you. This has been our best backdrop of the year, so thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate all you do. (laughs) 